0: You're not really supposed to strain, you're not supposed to hold your breath, you're not supposed to grimace or or grip tightly when you're doing like a leg press for example. That might have kind of brought the steroids out a little bit or I don't even know if that's possible. It, the steroids or the hemorrhoids? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I meant hemorrhoids. <laughs> I had steroids on the brain, sorry.
1: Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community conversation and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Craig Huntington of Back to Health Total Fitness. Craig is a professional, personal trainer. Hey, Craig. Welcome to the show,
0: man. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man?
1: So tell me something, Craig. You're- philosophy around personal training and weight training is a little bit different than
0: some of the the norm. Tell me what your philosophy is. Well, I don't consider anything other than lifting weights to be exercise. And exercise to be effective, uh, to be the most effective should be should be very brief, should be very intense, and it should be infrequent. Now, it's, you know, it's there's, there's a, probably an argument to be made about, you know, how many exercises to do, how many workouts to do in a given, you know, in a week or kind of like volume and frequency. But uh, the only thing I won't argue about is uh, perfect form or having perfect form or safety. And there's no contradiction between uh, safety or uh, safe exercise and effective exercise. Actually, the, the safer the exercise, the more effective and the more productive it is. So the only form of
1: exercise is weight training. What about... Yes aerobic running stretching Um, yoga,
0: all that so it's hard to go into a lot of detail (laughs) that would probably take another you know half an hour an hour of our time to explain um as far as like there's a difference between like activity and exercise and activity like you have to clearly define your terms. And with exercise, it seems like everything just short of getting out of bed in the morning is considered exercise these days. You know, movement does not equal exercise. Movement is um, our most perceived function as human beings is movement. So uh, exercise is a, is a basically an event that forces your body to uh, adapt or or create an adaptation. And the adaptation we're looking for with exercise is, is increase in strength. Um, in the muscles, skeletal muscles. And then all the subsystems that support the needs of your muscles, like your bones, your connective tissue, they are they are directly strengthened. And then even your internal organs, they're not necessarily directly strengthened, but their jobs are made easier by um, stronger, more efficient muscles. So um, the event meaning it's, it's got to be a really intense um, bout of physical activity, something that your body has a threshold that your body uh, has never been to before. And then that causes this like neural feedback loop. It's like a, it's like a signal that you're sending your body get stronger or else. And then when you're not exercising, your body is producing this response, this positive response, this increase in uh, physical capacity.
1: So help me understand it. So when you meet with a client, that training session is how long and, and how
0: does it go like what how's it work Uh, so i think optimally i think two to three times a week is you know optimal probably three times a week in the beginning maybe as you get stronger the demands on your body are greater so you need probably a little bit more rest so two to three times a week each session takes uh, i schedule like three sessions an hour so 20 minutes the actual workout probably averages like maybe 17 minutes let's say in the beginning let's say the first one or two workouts there's there's Let's say the first two workouts there's a lot more instruction involved, so the workout takes longer just because I'm teaching techniques that maybe someone has never done before. Um, most people have never really used the techniques um, that I use, so that the, there's definitely a um, like a learning process. Um, and that and I'm, what I'm trying to teach is is training hard or training to the point of momentary muscular failure, like to what, literally where you can't do another full range repetition. Uh, and, that, and that's actually, it's, it's, um, it's a hard, uh, skill. It's a hard skill to learn because it kind of, it's like a, such a pain and pleasure, such a black and white thing for people, you know, and you, you're going to go through not just not necessarily pain, but there's a lot of discomfort when you train really hard. Um, you know, muscle burning, you uh, your, your, your labored breathing, uh, people tend to heat up. So they, there's like a lot of like red flags are going off and it's really your, your brain telling your body to quit. So you try to go past that. I always like say that exercise should be the most painful thing you ever go through without ever like without the fear of hurting yourself. Like you're not you're not in danger, but your body doesn't really know that. So there's this like alarm response. And that's what that's what's so effective about training to failure. That's
1: really interesting. okay, so so the concept is is training to failure, because when you say I only need to work out 17 minutes, two to three times a week, it sounds like it's kind of
0: six minute abs. Let's go get. rich. Yeah. It it sounds like until someone, it's hard to sell it. I, I offer a complimentary training session because unless you actually go to failure, no one goes to failure. Like you can go to any gym around the world. Probably 1% of 1% of people actually go to momentary muscular failure. And it's, it's very difficult mentally, physically. So until you do that, it's kind of hard to like judge like, Oh, what can you do in 17 minutes? Well, I use, I use the analogy of uh, like sprinter versus marathon runner. Because I think it's a pretty good one where you watch a sprinter. So the longest sprint is like 400 meters and like world-class 400 meters runners do it in, I think it's like under 40 seconds. And that's like known as like the puke race because most people are throwing up afterwards. So in 39 seconds, they're placing such a huge demand on their body that they're throwing up. Whereas you watch like a like like one of the Kenyan you know marathon champions, they cross the they cross the finish line at the Boston Marathon. They have big smiles on their face. They look like they could run another twenty six. You know, so if the amount of work you did was if that was of, of, like a value as far as like the, the amount of work isn't isn't the demanding part, it's the intensity of the work that you do. Because the marathon runners, the uh, the real world class marathon runners, they don't use a lot of energy running that twenty six. You know, whereas a sprinter in let's say ten seconds to forty seconds is, you know, a lot of times they're either bent over um, or they're literally throwing up. So let's talk about the biology of the,
1: the working to fail then. So what are the benefits biologically to the body for going to failure, as opposed to lightweight, high repetition?
0: So it's, you gotta, you gotta like, uh, the stimulus is, is the most important part. So you have to define what is the stimulus. So what forces your body to make this change? Is it the amount of work you do? And again, going back to that sprinter marathon runner, if if the amount of work you did was the greatest value of the stimulus, then the marathon runner would be the most muscular. They would have uh, like the leanest, most muscular physiques, right? Whereas the sprinter, I mean, no one would ever argue that a marathon runner has a better physique than a sprinter. I mean, unless they're really odd. Like I can't imagine, you know, anyone- Well, uh, it's would...
1: the eye of the beholder, right? Every, it's no, a... I know, but,
0: but like there's like a universal- I guess like there might be some people that prefer the look of a marathon runner, but I don't think many people would. And that's really not the point. The point is like the the the, the most demanding work caused the most um, um, uh, impressive physical uh, changes, I guess. And um, so it's that it's that intensity that causes the body. To, it's like you're forcing your body to make this change. Um, it's really the science of stress physiology. It's the same as like a suntan. Like a suntan is just the body's way of protecting itself against um, the intensity of the sunlight or the sun rays, right? So your body pushes melanin into the surface of your skin as a defensive measure against the stress of the sunlight. It's the same with like callusing. You know, you get friction on your hands. Your body builds up this thick uh, layer of skin to, um, you know, to protect against future, you know, assaults of friction. So it's the same, same concept in those three. Um, and that's, that's what like the intensity, like going to failure, the reason going to failure is, is, is effective is because the body, uh, your, your body recruits muscle fibers, uh, in accordance to the demands. So the reason that you go to failure, you're going to recruit every muscle fiber possible. So then you're going to stimulate the most muscle, whereas like lower weight, more repetitions. And and if you don't go to failure, you're just recycling, like the lower fibers, like the, there's like, there's like a, they call them like the fast twitch, slow twitch. I don't know if you ever heard those uh, terms for muscle fibers. It's really fast to fatigue, slow to fatigue. And there's, there's like, I don't know how many different there's, those are two classifications, but there's something like 12 different types of those fibers. And your body will start with the, with the lowest, the, the slow twitch. The task is super easy and then if it gets harder and harder and harder, it'll recruit more muscle fibers. And then until you get to the point of failure, and that's, that's the most stressful, that's the greatest threat, I guess, to your physiology. You know, movement uh, is like, in biology, organisms move or die. That's like the, probably the, like the first, one of the main rules of biology, move or die. There's no such thing as status quo, staying the same. So this, like when you see, um the succession of movement is like the greatest threat to an organism. That's why going to failure is like such an, there's such an alarm response to, to that actual point. You know, that's where, like, I guess I always say this, that's where the magic happens. You know, it's that point. And it allows the
1: person to
0: do less with their time to. Yeah. The efficient, more. the time efficiency has always been a great uh, selling point. And, um, and the reason I, um, I started, like when I first started as a personal trainer, I fell in love with the ideas because like, I, I used them for myself and I thought, wow, this is a really, um, this is pretty amazing. And I, I liked the way I felt. I liked what it did for me. And I thought, Hey, if I could, if I have been, if I get benefit from this, then most other people should, or everyone else should. And that's kind of that's how I started my career. Like I've been using this idea for nearly 30 years in my training career. So, so.
1: In your training, you realize this is what's working best
0: for me, therefore it's gonna work best for my clients. Well, when I first started, it was like I thought it would work well. You know, I I just assumed, oh, if it works, you know, there's no like um, I don't want to sound like cookie cutter because they're definitely um I think the biggest differences between people as far as like the training goes, it's it's your ability to recover and actually produce a response. So some people there's like a wide there's like a broad spectrum. There's people that like can train more often, train for longer, and they're going to get a response. They'll get a response quicker. And then someone else might have to not train as often, or um, they need more rest days, I guess, between workouts, or they 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 can't train as long or do as many exercises and, and still get that same response. I think recovery ability is probably one of the great um, genetic differences between people. I mean, there's also like um, muscle, uh, you're born with like your, your bone structure, your muscles shape, um, your tat, your attachment. Some people have more of an advantage with the, how their muscles are attached on the bone. You know, they're shorter muscles, longer muscles. So, so I, yeah, so I, like, but I thought that, that just the general idea would work for everybody since we're all kind of the same physiologically, anatomically, you know, men, women. We're you know, we all have the same like body parts, the same. We all have blood. We all have you know organs. all have the same organs. So I just thought this this idea would work for m- the majority of people.
1: And the time that they have to commit, it makes sense for a busy person.
0: Yeah, and the, the, so the time thing's interesting too because people. I think people that don't have any experience in the gym, you know, that really. They don't belong to a health club or they never really did weightlifting before. I don't think they're as hard to convince or they were as hard to convince. They loved the time factor. Like just about everyone that's ever come to see me, they they heard about it. They were referred by a friend and they said, wow, this is really interesting. I don't have to spend, you know, my whole, my life in the gym. I don't have yeah. to spend hours every day. I don't have to become a gym rat. And so they were most people who aren't gym rats and, and the vast majority of like the biggest market is the non-gym rats. So I've never really tried to convince like a gym rat because they, they like what they're doing. Most gym rats have come in here and they're really almost disturbed by how hard it is (laughs) because they've never really trained hard. So tell me about that.
1: Like, let's, let's talk about that because there's a, there's a certain philosophy of of folks that are like, Oh no, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You have to spend this amount of time in the gym. You have to do cardio first. You have to do, low weight, high reps or yep. workout of the day or whatever it is,
0: when they come in and see you, what is their reaction? Um, we'll say in the beginning, they're incredulous. They're like, how can I get a good workout in the 15 minutes? And then, you know, maybe six or five or six exercises in or less, they're turning green. Um, they're getting nauseous. I've had a few people, I mean, I don't try to make people throw up, but people have kind of challenged me over the years to like, do your worst. And again, some of the some of the people that they just they were almost um, they were it's hard to explain. It's like they they're 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 so the ego. I don't know if the ego is bruised or they're just like, oh, my God, I can. They, they they never came back like I, I could never do that on a regular basis. Right. And so they, they never come back. Um, I had this one guy just I know this is anecdotal, but. He was a bodybuilder. Um, he was probably the most genetically gifted uh, person I've ever met in a bodybuilding sense. I mean, looked like he could have stepped onto a bodybuilding stage when he came in to do a workout. He was referred to me by a friend. He was intrigued. He thought it was he had heard about it before. And I knew that I had to kind of almost go easy on the guy because the more muscul- muscular you are, the more demanding Um, it is on your body like you have an ability to train harder your muscles are bigger so they're going to demand way more and I had to back off he couldn't finish the workout because he he got so sick he couldn't even finish like I had him do legs at the end because again I I knew that if I had legs if I did legs in the beginning he wouldn't have made it to his upper body because he was so genetically gifted and he was probably five foot ten about 235 pounds and shredded like his his quadriceps had striations without even doing leg exercises, like just walking. And he went outside and puked his brains out (laughs) and he never came back to work out. What, what is it about
1: the body that, that makes you throw up? What is that reaction?
0: I don't totally understand the, the, the throwing up part. I know that it's it's a, it throwing up is a reaction to overheating. It's just a, a, it's like a really extreme way of, of, um, of, of, the body uses to cool itself down. Um, cause like if you can't cool yourself down fast enough through sweating, I think like throwing up, it's like, again, I don't try to make people throw up. Right. It's just his, the demands on his body were so great. Cause he was so muscular that he got sick really fast. And again, I wasn't trying to like be a tough guy or prove a point. And he was really interested. He wasn't even trying to be like, he wasn't like challenging me like, Oh, this can't work. You know? Um, it just, it was crazy. And he, he said, and I don't blame him because he got to where he got doing it his way. So why would you put, why would he put himself through, you know, that workout again, if right. he didn't have to. Right. So, right. Wow. For the time uh, sensitivity of it. Yeah. And he would have conditioned to that. Like, like the thing is, if he had come back, I probably wouldn't. And again, I, I, I didn't train him. I didn't push him to failure. I think the first two exercises, maybe he went to failure. And then I actually intentionally had him stop. Like he would have done it. It wasn't like he didn't have like the toughness to do it. He would have. But he was like, he almost, you almost couldn't talk to him afterwards for like probably a good 15, 20 minutes. And then he went to visit a friend of mine who we actually did work. He like, he was like a subcontractor for a friend of mine. And he, he was like just starting to recover when he went to see my friend, like down the street, like half an hour later. Wow. Yeah. How do you know when and how hard to push somebody? I try to be conservative because, um, again, the first couple of uh sessions, are, are it's instructional. Um, I want to give people a taste of it, but I'm not out to, like, prove anything anymore. Right. I mean, it's, it's 28 years. It's, you know, it's 70,000 training appointments under my belt. It's, you know, I don't need to prove anything. I don't need – like, I don't even try to, like, convince people anymore. People come to me because they love the ideas, and that's it. So as far as training someone hard, I like to, like – they have to develop that skill first of all but some people actually it's hard because they they actually have really good motor ability really good coordination that's a that's a big part of it they have a mental toughness where they want to push themselves so sometimes I'll be training someone for the first one or two times and they're training hard and I don't even know they're training hard because they're so like stoic and their breathing's really good like all the skills that I try to teach and it's almost like ooh, I, I think I went a little bit too far like I'm almost like not nervous, but you know, I'm like, Oh, I wish I didn't do that. You know? Um, like I had a couple of people recently that got really nauseous about, you know, the, uh, compound row, the pads stuck on your yeah. chest. Yeah. That seems to like be the one that like, is like the tipping point of <laughs> nausea and throwing up. I had this one poor kid a couple of years ago, great kid trained really hard. He got to the row and the first three times I trained him, he puked his brains out. He went outside to the barrel. And thankfully, like his dad was a professional hockey player. And he absolutely loved the fact that I pushed him to that point. Like he thought it was great. And the kid was like into it too. Like he didn't want to throw up, but he thought it was like a kind of a badge of honor. So thankfully, like if, if he had been a different kid with a different parent, like he probably never would have come back. Right.
1: Can you tell from day to day if somebody's able to push to the same extremes and kind
0: of vibe? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Some, someone who I've been training, uh, it doesn't take me long to, uh, to get I feel like it doesn't take me long to to get the, like the most out of someone. Like maybe within a couple of weeks, a few workouts, and um, and most people mentally bring it every time. It's just sometimes physically for whatever reason they might be tired from like a long a late night or uh, maybe they might be coming down with something and um, there's like a little drop in energy. But it's rare. Like if someone, so if someone got like weaker, like if they went two or three workouts where they, where they seem to have really low energy, I'd be concerned. I'd tell them to go see go see a doctor. Right. You know, but, but most you're coming people... in
1: here for a 20 minute workout, you're paying for it. You're mentally getting prepared for it. If you're consistently
0: down in energy, there might be something more there. Definitely. Definitely. And I, that's like, I have, um, I've trained, uh, quite a few, unfortunately, quite a few clients that were going through cancer treatment mm. and, um, and I found that I could train them pretty hard. They were, they were amazing. They were, they were so willing to train hard the, the, um, you know, the handful of people that I've done, maybe like half a dozen people in the last, you know, 30 years. And, um, the one thing that was tough was like, they, um, you could see like, if they were, if they were doing like, um, if they had just got, come from a chemo treatment, you know, you'd see like a, just a drop in energy. But I thought the training was from everything I've learned and it's it was still good for them to to push, you know? Yeah. Um, um, there's something about, I think, training to failure that like, it's not just the skeletal muscles. It's like the rest of your body tries to fortify itself. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was always kind of like, I was always like, oh, should I push them really, really hard? But a lot of them wanted to push hard, you know?
1: Well, that's the thing. Like there's a, there's a mental component to this as well that, oh is yeah, probably
0: very underestimated in, in what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to like scare <laughs> any of your listeners potentially away from, The the throwing up thing is 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 weird. I've had people train really 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 hard and not even come close to throwing up or nauseous. It's just a it's just a something that happens to some people, and it's it's definitely not something that like I try to make people do or that's a requirement for a great workout. No, it's just it's just to prove like how demanding the work can be and how some people you know react to it. Well, it's it's a shock,
1: right? It's a shock to the system if you've never done it before. It's a shock to the system and then your body recovers and gets used to it and it yep. doesn't happen anymore but what i'm talking about is the person who's been there a few weeks a few months a few years yep like there's there's mental exercise that's going on too yep. right can i
0: do one more like am yes. i
1: at failure or am i
0: quitting i think i think it doesn't take long where people know whether they're quitting or not and part of my job is to push people past that point. and right. And people come to me because they want to be pushed. You know, I've had very few people that came here and no one like love, like very few people love to train hard, but they love what they get out. They love the way they feel after they train really hard. Cause there's, I think there's a physical um, there's a physical component. You, you, your body like releases uh, certain hormones, certain um, certain proteins, certain enzymes that make you feel really good. And that's actually, an, actually another sign of how, demanding the work is because your body does release like natural painkillers, you know. Um, And so they feel really good. And then I also think they feel like um, a sense of accomplishment. Like, wow, I was able to like, I can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe I, 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 they almost like conquer something, you know? Um, So that, that's kind of a neat, neat thing too. So what, what are the negatives? Like what's, what's the downside to it?
1: Like if you're pushing too hard, are you like, can you blow blood vessels or shoot
0: out hemorrhoids Uh, or anything? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think training would cause hemorrhoids. I think uh, hemorrhoids are a lifestyle condition caused by poor diet, usually alcohol consumption, highly processed carbohydrates, along with seed slash vegetable oils, which is like the standard American diet, which is just terrible for digestion. So, uh, I think the straining uh you're not really supposed to strain you're not supposed to hold your breath you're not supposed to grimace or or grip tightly when you're doing like a leg press for example that might have kind of brought the steroids out a little bit or i don't even know if that's possible the steroids or the hemorrhoids i'm sorry i'm sorry i meant hemorrhoids (laughs) i had steroids on the brain sorry yes uh so but
1: okay so that's pretty funny um it, it it seems like it's possible though. You know, you're pressing, you're pushing, you know, blood vessels go in and, you know, yeah. It, it's not, not hemorrhoids though.
0: Yeah. It, well, like I said, it's, it's, there's a lot of bad things that can happen if you, I guess I try to teach uh, the skill of, of breathing properly, free breathing and relaxing your facial muscle muscles and relaxing your grip on like, let's say a, a lower body exercise versus relaxing your lower body and an upper body exercise. Um, so like holding your breath under um uh, exertion is really bad for you so i don't i don't encourage anybody i try to discourage that so that might might have maybe stimulated the hemorrhoids but the hemorrhoids are caused by lifestyle got it so but
1: there's got to be some downside like what what's the what's the downside to doing workouts like this
0: yeah you could you could because um if you do things like so i try to instruct like number one my Uh, my number one consideration is safety. Someone's safety. And there's no contradiction between safe exercise and productive exercise. And actually the safer you try to make exercise, the harder you make exercise. Mm. Usually when you try to make exercise easy, you make it more dangerous. When I say easy, you use momentum, um, excessive, uh, excessive momentum, um, leverage. um, So that people are thinking, And again, it's, it's more the culture it's move weight from point A to point B. And that's actually the furthest thing from your goal. Like moving weight is not your goal at all. You're trying to use the weight as a tool to fatigue your muscles as deeply as possible. And there are techniques that I use where you don't move at all. You know, you'll do, uh, I'll have people do what's called a time static hold or a time static contraction where they're literally holding the weight in one spot. It's a really effective technique for people that have like uh, chronic joint issues um, I've had people with shoulders, shoulder issues, knee issues, where I'll have them hold a weight in a position that doesn't cause pain, but their muscles are still working really, really hard. And what I do is time that so that it, once they start to fail, like once the weight starts to drop, then I take it from them. But that's a, just a great technique for anyone with a, um, a chronic joint uh, issue. Got it.
1: What about nutrition? Where does that factor
0: into the whole equation? Nutrition is... Um, So like to, to, to work out and not eat properly or not, not have your nutrition like buttoned up. It's not that working out is incredibly valuable for so many other reasons. And it's kind of sad that it's been seen as like a, a, like a weight loss tool or a fat loss tool. And exercise can optimize your fat loss, but fat loss is diet. It's like, if you're, if you're planning to lose fat or if you plan on not dieting and you, and then you just basically should plan on not losing fat. Like exercise is extremely valuable, but as far as a fat loss tool, it's, it does not stimulate fat loss. So diet is the, is, is what stimulates your fat loss. Um, and if you diet, but if you diet at the same, at the same time, if you diet and you don't, and you don't lift weights, you run the risk of actually losing just indiscriminate weight, right? So lifting weights is a strong signal that your body has to keep muscle muscles, valuable, valuable tissue, and then all the systems that support your muscles, bones, connective tissue, even your internal organs will be spared by that weightlifting because it's that signal that like, oh, my God, don't touch the muscle. Then your body will be forced to use your fat stores for energy. And that's where the that's where the exercise is valuable. That's why, you know, that's where weightlifting or lifting weight strength training is valuable. What about for as people age? I think if you're not doing this, um, they're, 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 it's never too late to start, but sometimes it's too late to start. I don't know if you know if they catch my drift there like people just wait too long and then they're kind of like, I mean, you should be able to exercise. I always tell people exercise till the day you die right you know, lift weights till the day you die. Um, it's 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 even more and more valuable as you get older. Uh, it It really is the only thing that can potentially turn back the clock. Um, it's it's really the only anti-aging I mean nutri- proper nutrition is really important for that, but but as far as like, um, so sarcopenia is age-related muscle loss Yeah, and, and it's really the, the most, uh, probably serious, uh, health condition that the average person will ever have to encounter in their lifetime. And there's a very easy way to, to, uh, uh to avoid sarcopenia and that's lift weights. Stay strong. Yeah. Stay strong. Lift weights. Uh, it's not just a move it or lose it thing either. It's not just walking. It's I'm not against like activity. But it's not activity; it's a stimulus. It's that it's that intense stimulus that basically is a signal that that this muscle is valuable. And then all the um, there's a lot of great um, like uh, benefits other than the actual muscle strengthening. There's all the uh, there's like the hormonal tone you'll maintain like um, testosterone, uh, human growth hormone, things that are stimulated through physical, really intense physical um, bouts of physical activity. Huh. So they're the like the hormones of youth, you know, testosterone, human growth hormone. There are other ones, but those are like the two, probably the main ones that people know. You know, if you tell them they know exactly what those are, or they have an idea. So and you're firing those by pushing yourself. Yeah, you're giving your body a reason to, to release. Like your body has the ability to produce those hormones. It just doesn't see a need to release them. Uh, like if you don't, it, that's where the use it or lose it thing comes in. If you don't, if the body doesn't see a need to, re, to release those hormones, it won't. It has the ability to produce them but it won't release them. So it. it's, it's that it, again, it's that stimulus is really powerful. That going to failure, that continuous, like trying to keep continuous tension throughout the exercise. That's a safety thing, but it's also a a part of that stimulus. It, it, it makes you go to failure more efficiently, um, you know, faster, more efficiently. Uh, so it takes like, let's say um, great expression uh, that one of my biggest influences, Dr. McGuff, Doug McGuff says is um, it's uh, I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's like, um, it takes an incredible amount of effort to create a deep level of fatigue. I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it justice, but it's it's like a, a incredible amount of effort to create a deep level of fatigue. Um, and that's kind of what it's about, and that deep level of fatigue is what forces your body to 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 build muscle and to stay strong and to become stronger. How did you get into this world? I uh, like if you, if you want to get to my earliest influences. Um, I, when I was six, I think we were camping in Truro and I went to the little general store and my parents gave us, my brother and I some money and I saw a comic book. It was detective comics. And Batman was like, like just the way he was drawn, he was just ripped muscular. You know, I I was just immediately drawn to the way comic book characters looked like the heroes were, you know, like had these incredible physiques. And then And then I like, I became like an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Like I loved like, uh, you know, like uh, Conan was a huge influence, um, the movie. And then, then I got into reading the Conan, um, the Conan novels by Robert E. Howard and Frank Frazetta was, was an artist who, who did like all the sword and sorcery stuff and he did all the Conan covers and the way he drew characters was just, I loved it, you know? And then uh, that's kind of like, that was my, that was my, I guess like my initial, that's what grabbed Me initially. Then um, I kind of dabbled in in weightlifting. My dad got me a barbell set, dabbled in it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, Then when I was 15, I played football sophomore year, Um, first time ever playing football. I broke my wrist at the end of the year, the last second to last game of the year, broke my wrist. And then my coach said, Hey, you know what? If you really want to play a lot next year, I think you could play a lot if you got bigger and stronger. So we're going to lift weights after school. Uh, it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the gym after school. And that's what I did. And those are probably the most rational workouts I did uh, like in the first couple of years because the gym was only open for 45 minutes, three days a week. So I put together a routine and it was based on like my brother had um, a couple of friends that were really into it. And they were like kind of idolized. They were kind of idols of mine, his two friends. Um, and I looked up to them because they were both like big, strong kids. they were both phenomenal wrestlers. And so they kind of gave me ideas on how to put together a routine. So that's kind of how it all started. And I just I just responded really well to it. I went from 150 pounds, January of my sophomore year, August of when football started, I was 180. Whoa. And it was like, it was like people were like, wow, like they were like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I was accused of being on steroids. Right. I didn't even know what steroids were. Like, I kind of yeah. had an idea what they were, but I didn't, I'd never seen them. I didn't know anyone did them. So it was kind of cool to be accused of being on steroids, you know? Right. Well, so, you
1: hit, you, you, you find a passion at the same time as your body's probably
0: maturing and boom, you've hit. Oh, one. definitely. Yeah. It was definitely a great combination Perfect. of, of puberty. And then I really, I really enjoyed the way I felt when I trained. I yeah. got really strong, really fast. Um, yeah. So it was, it was very, very motivating. And then from there, I just, I just really enjoyed it. And, um, and then I, but the thing is, Mark, is I started once I, once I thought I knew what I was doing, that's when I started training more and more like, five, six days a week, two hour workouts. Yeah. And it didn't take long for me to realize this is not, there's gotta be a better way.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what I, that's what I said. There's gotta be a better way. You know, um, I'm not like a genius or anything, but I'm, I'm a reasonably smart person. I'm like, this, this can't be it. Um, and so when I was, uh, a senior in college, um, I read an article in a magazine by a guy named Mike Mentzer. And okay. that just, That was my epiphany that changed everything. Um, And he had these ideas and I, I tried his like suggested routine and I said, I'm never going back. Even if I only got the same exact result, I am never going back. And I haven't gone back since that was 1994. Yep. Never went back. It was, I was fully convinced um, after reading his stuff. And the funny thing is I used to get this muscle magazine. um, It was called uh, Iron Man, And, and there was an article in the back every month, and it was Mike Mentzer's heavy duty. And Mike Mentzer was a, was a golden era um, star, uh, you know, phenomenal bodybuilder from the 70s. And um, and so the pictures were like, he was in like short shorts and long socks, and he had big glasses, even though he looked phenomenal. The guy yeah. was incredible. But I was like this immature kid thinking, oh, he's like kind of nerdy. So I never read his stuff. I never read the articles. It's just so funny when I go back to read them, like I've read them since. And I'm like, oh, my God, I wished I mean, I say I wished I had kind of read them, but maybe I, I probably wasn't mature enough to like to try them or to to see the logic in his arguments. Well, you almost have
1: to become enlightened on your own, right?
0: Like there's got to be a better way. Like this is a problem that I need to solve. And boom, yeah, that's exactly what are. happened. Yeah. And I did. I it's funny because I did a bodybuilding show before I read the article. My roommate was a bodybuilder he convinced me he influenced me he was a this kid was incredible he's like probably one of the best natural bodybuilders in the country if not the world the kid was amazing and he so he influenced me to do one because he thought I would do well um and so he kind of helped me with like the I mean I put together my own routine but he he helped me a lot he helped me with the diet and all that stuff but it was like everything that I did not that it was like 100% wrong but it was like I could have done it in a better. I could have done a better uh I could have done it in a better way, a more efficient way, a healthier way, I guess. Not healthier. I don't know. I did like tons of cardio. I, um, you know, I trained five days, six days a week, weight, weight lifted. Um, and I was I was happy with my result. I, 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 I completely changed my physique. I was I looked like a like an anatomy chart, you know, probably like low single digit body fat. But then it was after that that I read this article, like literally like maybe a week after my show. And thought I'm going to try this because this makes sense to me, and then I did another bodybuilding show ten months later. I was about ten pounds heavier, all muscle. I did zero cardio, like zilch, like not. I haven't done a millisecond of cardio since 1995. Wow, I achieved the same level of like um, fat loss, uh, muscularity, and um, and that. And I mean, I was already hooked before then, but that convinced me. You know. So I I cut my training down probably ninety seven percent,
1: and you were able to make a living out of this passion.
0: Yeah, the living part was interesting. I uh, so so this is where my my roommate also influenced me. He started training people. I had never heard of like a personal trainer before, and he ran. He was a general manager of this health club in um it, up 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 at school, and like he he just he was terrible. Like he just terrible in a sense that he saw he like. He treated his customers. He didn't really care how his customers did. He just, he was just making money, you know, and I thought if he can do this, I know I can do a way better job than he, than he's, you know, than he's doing just because of the way he treated people, you know? Um, So that was May of my senior year in college. And then that summer, uh, I took a, an exercise, a personal trainer certification course to this company called ACE in August. And then uh, I started working in the business.
1: And here we are what's up and here we are and here we are yeah so let me ask you this somebody starts out with you they work with you they get into a routine with you and they they feel great and they say you know what i want to go on the google machine and i want to write a review for craig and back to health mm-hmm. what is that gonna say
0: um i think uh, i think someone if they're happy they'll say um you know uh Great instruction, great communication, um, great motivation, um, incredibly time efficient. You know, uh, Craig saves me time, and time is money. Time is the most valuable resource in the world. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. If it's, those are probably the, the biggest. Um, I guess the biggest pluses. You know, um, I track. Me. push me, out. me but I, I track. I track everyone's progress. Like I keep track of, you know, what you're doing on a on a workout to workout basis. Um, you don't have to think like, that, that's probably one of the, uh, probably the most underrated, um, um, uh, benefits, I guess, because like people will say, Oh, I, they'll, they'll be embarrassed that they'll forget something like forget to put the belt on. Or, and I'll say, that's my job. Like, that's why you come to me. Right. You don't ever have to think when you're in here.
1: Right. You know? I mean, how many people go to the gym and they kind
0: of walk around and they don't really have a plan and they spend exactly. five yep. minutes and then they leave. Yep yeah it, it everybody no one has like the amount of people that are in the gym that have a plan and and I, I, this this is like one of my favorite expressions even though it's very corny and cliche if you if you fail to plan you plan to fail yeah and that's that's in almost every you know walk of life or every human yeah. endeavor right um, yeah. and, I, I, and i you know not to go too far into the nutritional part but people want fat loss and they don't want to follow a plan it drives me nuts right. and I don't care I always say um, you don't have to follow my plan, but you have to follow a plan. and if if you if you don't want to follow a plan, then plan not changing at all, right? Plan on not losing fat. plan on not changing your physique if you don't want to follow a plan
1: well, Craig, you push people outside their comfort zone and and one of the things we really enjoy about comfort zone and and expanding that comfort zone is the concept of karaoke. <laughs> And we're going to get some of these guests together and we're going to have karaoke
0: as the center stage. So Craig, cool. you're next up on the mic. What are you singing? Actually, it's funny. I just, I, it took me a while because you told me about this uh, a couple weeks ago <laughs> I warned and you. I was thinking about it, but, but actually like, I know, like I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. I was like literally right before I got on with you, I'm like, what, what song would I do? And um, it's, it's uh, Rupert Holmes. um escape the pina colada song ah and i don't know why it's just that song's always in my head it's like so 70s and so like boogie yeah. nights and uh you know it's just it's like to me it's like I don't know. 70s and boogie i just night. think people will get a kick out of that
1: i love it so that's the like one you're
0: and all that stuff you know
1: have you ever done karaoke
0: i've never done it ever that's interesting
1: Get ready. So, Craig, then the most important question of all questions, uh, of the entire uh, conversation, somebody wants to work out with you. They want to understand more about what you're doing. How do they
0: get in touch with you? Uh, So you can uh, call or text my cell phone. 781-826-0302. Uh, then I have uh, I have a Facebook page. It's a uh, back to health uh, and that's two, the twos numeralized. And then I also have an Instagram page, which it's B2H fitness is the Instagram handle. And then my Twitter, I'm always posting on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my Twitter is Craig Huntington, but it's uh, at B2H Craig.
1: And folks don't freak out. Thomas will put this all in the show notes. So when you get to where you're going, you can open it up and press right through, you can dial right through, or you can uh, click right into one of his Instagram or Facebook or social handles. And I highly recommend following him because he has some interesting philosophies, as you heard here today. And I can also say he didn't didn't out me, but I am a customer client of his and (laughs) I teared up and I will say that the very first time on my drive home, I had to open the door, and release the uh, the poisons inside my belly. <laughs> but it only happened once, and I pushed <laughs> through, and I continue to. And I really do believe it's it's the greatest workout that
0: I've ever been a part of. So, cool. I thank hey, you I'm sorry, that. Mark. I forgot my uh, my my website. Oh, uh, do it. Do B- it. Uh, B2HTotalFitness.com. And I am just starting an online coaching program that I will be off. That'll be on the website. um, So you can get details on the website. Um, So I'm going to put that up probably tomorrow. Um, So b2htotalfitness.com. Very cool. Some
1: online stuff. That's scalable, dude. And a lot of people would would appreciate that. Well, thank you for joining. I uh, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and your experience with us.
0: Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I'd love to do another one.
1: So, (laughs) well, I think there's more to talk about. All right, cool. But until then, folks, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you learned something, if this triggered some person in your mind, share it with them, let them know about Craig, share it with everyone and anyone and get in touch. Thank you. And until next time, we'll see you soon.
0: Thanks, Mark. Take it easy.
1: Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week, and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments, or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at at styles lawcom That's m s t i l e s at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private, exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School. At 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure title. S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.